iTunes presents Meet the Filmmaker at the Apple Store. I knew I was losing her. Excuse me, have you seen my wife? I don't think she wants to see you anymore. What? Sarah! Don't touch my car again. I'm going, that's not the kind of touching I meant. Jock, he stole my wife. Can you arrest him? Sometimes it's better just to accept these things. <laughs> Batman, battering, pipe bombs, utility belt. Utility uh, belt. Green arrow has a bow and arrow. Okay. Why do you need all those? I'm making up my own superhero. He needs a weapon. That'll do. Cool. All it takes to be a superhero is the choice to fight evil. Shut up, crime. Assault by the Crimson Bolt continued last night. Shoot him. No. That's cool. I could be your kid's sidekick. Ta-da! How do I look? That's inappropriate. Frank is the only thing that will save me. We will take those suckers down. That's good. Let's do this. You just sit here and wait for crime to happen? That's right. <sighs> this is so boring. Yes, I could tell you now it's looking. You're supposed to kill him! not about good and evil. This is about she loved me more because I am interesting. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome this evening's guest moderator, Whitney Matheson of the USA Today column Pop Candy, and tonight's guest, director James Gunn. Hi. Hello. Hi, James. Hi, Whitney. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? Uh, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Been traveling around a little bit. Just got into New York City. Oh. On the train. Yes. And I poured a cup of coffee on myself by accident before getting here, but it's all we, good. We never would have known. No, thanks. Yeah, I told everybody, so we're good. I um I have to say I love the Crimson Bolts costume. Yes. It makes me laugh every time I see it. Yeah, does it? Um. It feels like a costume that I would probably make if I attempted to sew. Mm, is yeah. that is that the costume you had in your head when you were writing? It is. The I drew um, when the costume designer Mary Matthews was uh, designing a bunch of costumes. Uh, I really wanted something that looked very Frankensteinian. That's the made-up adjective I kept using because I thought that Frank is the kind of guy who has OCD and he would be, you know. You know, um, you know, trying to sew his own costume, and it would be too bulky in one area, so he'd chop it open, and then you know, it'd be too tight, and then he'd have to add an extra piece, and he'd just keep going and going and going until he had a costume that fit somewhat close to appropriately. And um, yeah, I drew the mask, and that's the mask that we have in the the movie. Yeah, and 
So you wrote 57 pages of the script in one day. Yeah, I originally wrote the script in, uh, on April 2nd, 2002. And uh, I wrote the whole thing in one sitting. I, I originally thought that I was going to be writing a, a short film. Um, and uh, it just kept getting longer and longer. And I fell in love with the characters, especially Frank who Rain Wilson plays, and Libby, who Ellen Page ended up playing, and um, just kept getting bigger. That's insane. Is that some sort of divine intervention that lets you write that much material in 24 hours? I didn't say it was good material the first time around. I think it was just, you know, perseverance, really, <laughs> you know. And some people are calling this a superhero movie, but then... When you actually watch it, there's so much more happening in it. Do you call it a superhero movie? Is it an anti-superhero movie? I do call it a superhero movie because it's you know shorthand for what the movie is. But the truth is, is Frank, in our movie, he's not really that heroic. And the movie is a little bit more about... Um, you know, we, we see Batman and he puts on a cape and a cowl and we take for granted that he knows who's good, who's bad, who should get beaten up, who shouldn't. And um, we don't really know that. And Frank, we see the guy who decides to put on a, you know, a, a mask and beat people up with a pipe wrench. And maybe he knows who's good and bad and maybe he doesn't. And some of the people he beats up may not be so deserving of getting bashed in the skull. You know, <laughs> and it's very, you know, the movie's very violent. So it's like, you know, we see all these superhero movies where things are exploding and people are getting punched in the face and knocked out. And we don't really see the repercussions of the violence. We don't see what actually happens. And in Super, we see graphically the you know results of the violence. Yeah, we see very graphically. Very graphically, yeah. And yeah, I scarred my mother the other night. She came to the uh, premiere in Los Angeles and she was, she was stricken. The only person who I think was more disturbed by the movie was Jay Leno. Uh, when he saw the film, he looked equally mind-fucked. Sorry. <laughs> did your mom know how violent the movie was going to be? I tried to warn her how violent it was, but she just didn't get it. I don't, I really, my mother loves, like, romantic comedies and kids' movies, and I honestly don't think she's ever seen a violent movie in her life. So it was, besides something that I've done, but, you know, even compared to Dawn of the Dead or even my early movie, even like my early trauma movies, it's more violent. So yeah, it was yeah. it was hard for her to watch. Yeah, one thing I like about you and your <laughs> and your films is that you kind of speak for the misfits. Mm -hmm. And would you say that's true? And were you kind of a misfit growing up at all? Yeah, I was really a misfit, um, and I, it really meant a lot to me when I was a kid. I, I grew up in Manchester, Missouri. Um, I was always an artistic kid. I was always interested in things that other kids weren't interested in. And, um, and, and I, was, I, I found solace in the artwork of people who somehow made me feel like I was less alone in the world. People like David Cronenberg, Alice Cooper. Um, these were like the kind of people who made me feel, I, I don't know, just not so alone. And I love the, you know, I love the opportunity to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. And I, I think Super is like that. We made it for a very low budget. Um, and a couple million dollars. All of the cast did it for scale, and it's it's great to have complete freedom to do a movie because you know so many movies in Hollywood today they're trying to appeal to everybody, all four quadrants: young, old, male, female. And in Super, we appeal to maybe an eighth of a quadrant. But the hope is is that that eighth of a quadrant will really love the movie, you know. So that's uh, yeah, that's what that's what the movie's about. Well, let's take a look at a clip from okay. the movie and 
Here it is. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Hey, Frank. I told the diner that I had pneumonia. You sure it's okay if I stay here? Yeah. I want to show you something. You know, but compared to you, I'm, I'm a one, I'm a kid, right? I guess. Right. Now, look, the most important thing, obviously, is the name. All right? Then you got to think of it like how it sounds with the Crimson Bull. All right? So, um, okay. The Crimson Bolt and Bolt Girl. The Crimson Bolt and Kid Crimson. Crimson Bolt, and the Creeping Bam. What's a Creeping Bam? What's a Toro? I always cut it off. I love Ellen Page in this movie. She's yeah, so she's amazing. Crazy. She's amazing. On that particular day, Ellen started to faint because it was 4 o'clock in the morning and she was on a completely different schedule. And she came in and... Uh, kept doing those flips and I had her do those flips a bunch of times and then she's holding that thing and she started to faint and I eventually had to quit shooting so I only got to do a couple takes of her thing but she's great she's amazing in the movie she went all out and as you'll see later she's like a very much of a psychopath and uh, goes crazy but she's she's amazing yeah and what made her right for the part of Bolty um you know I I I she was the second person who signed on after Rain. Rain gave her the script because he had done Juno with her. Um, she loved the script and wanted to do it. I went out to lunch with her. And, you know, I mean, honestly, Ellen Page is a big star. She was the biggest star of that age range. And I couldn't believe that she wanted to do the movie. But I was a little afraid if she was going to get it. And so we sat and we talked for a couple of hours about exactly the type of movie I was doing. And, uh, and, I, and she was smart. And so I... I saw that she understood exactly what I was going for. She didn't audition for the movie, um, so that was a little bit scary. But then when she got to set, I was, I was very relieved. She's amazing. And I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the work that you did with Lloyd Kaufman and okay. Trauma. So how, how many years did you work with him? I really only worked for Trauma for a little over a year. Um, uh, I went in for a, a job. I, I, Tr- Lloyd Kaufman is the head of Troma Entertainment. It's the world's oldest independent, f- independent film studio. They did Toxic Avenger and Class of Newcomb High and a bunch of uh, you know, B-movies. Uh, he would hate me saying B-movies, but yeah. And um, I went in one day, and I, I was going to grad school here at Columbia, and I needed a part-time job. And I thought I was going in for a job to be like an assistant or do office work or something like that. And instead, he offered me $150 to write a screenplay for a movie called Tromeo and Juliet, um, which I did. And then I just sort of took control from there and, and, and did, was the head of 
Troma's production for a year and a half or so. And then I wrote a book for Troma that I, I took the money that I got paid to do that and left. So what sort of lessons did you learn that maybe applied? Is there anything you learned that maybe applied to Super? Uh, yeah. I mean, on, on a regular movie, you do between 12 and 20 camera setups a day. On Super, we did between 45 and 54 camera setups every single day. Um, so we moved very, very quickly. Um, and that's I, balancing my director head with my producer head is something I learned to do at, at Trauma. Frankly, we never moved anywhere near that quickly at Trauma because things were a little disorganized at times. Um, but we were very, very planned out on this movie. And I just learned how to balance the budget with actually making the movie. Did you learn how to make blood when you were at Trauma? No, I actually learned how to do that when I was 12. My first movie ever was a, a movie in which uh, I disemboweled my brother, Sean Gunn, who's actually in Super, and he played Kirk on the Gilmore Girls. And uh, I, made, I saw Night of the Living Dead, and I was very inspired by that. And so I decided to kill my brother, Sean, on, in my, first, my second little movie I ever made. <laughs> I had, just had to ask. I know it's a morbid question. <laughs> it's not that morbid. Don't um, worry. And... It's kind of weird, like, Rain Wilson plays this character who is, it's his darkest character we've ever seen. It's yeah. his most emotional character. Yeah. We see, I mean, it's, it's odd. We see Dwight Schrute going around and murdering people very brutally. Yeah. Yeah. So was he just totally up for that kind yeah, of... Yeah, yeah, he was. I mean, um, I, yeah, he was totally up from it from the beginning. I... I I was married to Jenna Fisher from The Office, and um, we're still very close friends. And she called me about two years ago, and she said, you know, what are you doing with that script super? I really like that script a lot, and I really want you to make that movie. Why aren't you making it? And I said, well, you know, we had financing for a while, and then it fell through because we couldn't agree on a lead actor who was worth financing because I really wanted somebody who was right for the role, a very specific type. And I couldn't find anybody that was right for the role. And also, it was a little esoteric. It was hard getting the money. Um, it was a very dark movie. And I just wasn't sure about it. And she said to me, well, have you ever thought of Rain? And I'd known Rain for five years. And I was like, huh, that works. That, that was perfect. Um, and I really, I, I knew Rain. I knew his other work besides The Office. And I thought he would be great. And so I sent him the script. He wrote me back about an hour and a half later, um, texted me. And he said, uh, I'm 22 pages in. My hands are shaking. This is exactly what I want to do. And I'll do this no matter what. I'm totally in. And, um, and that was it. We sort of teamed up from there. But I really like the opportunity to work with actors and show a different aspect of the audience and what people are used to seeing. And in Rain, you know, we see this guy every week who's very emotionally distant and not present and not very emotional. And in Super, we get to see somebody who's very vulnerable and afraid, and it's a much different side of Rain, and I love bringing that out. Same thing with Ellen, because Ellen's always playing these, these characters in movies who are sort of wise beyond their years and sort of snarky. And... Um, I think that the character of Libby is the opposite. She's like an 11-year-old and a 23-year-old's body, and she's a complete, unrefined id. And everything she says is, is never really clever. It's just sort of out there, and she doesn't have any, anything stopping her mouth and her brain. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, that's, a, that's something I like to do. And so out of uh, writing, you write some stuff that's really brutal and... And then there's this kind of emotional ending. What's the hardest stuff for you to write? There's comedy in here. It's, is there one 
thing that's the most challenging for you? Um, I um, no, I don't really think about. It. I don't. I don't know if there's anything that's more challenging to me than others. There are scripts that are more challenging. I mean, sometimes I'll write a script that comes very easily and very quickly, and Super was like that. And then there are other scripts that. I, I love the idea, and I start writing it, and I, it's just very, it's a lot clunkier and harder for me to get to the end of it, you know. I can say Super and Dawn of the Dead were probably the, the two scripts that I wrote that were the most fun to write and came the easiest, you know. Like, I, I loved writing them. And I actually just finished another script that I loved writing. Um, but other things were much, much more difficult, um, you, know, uh, you know, other things I've written, so... And we, I mentioned this uh, briefly earlier. Have you ever considered writing a comic book? I, 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 I had a deal with Marvel to write a comic book a couple years ago. And um, I just got, I, you told me my excuse was lame because I got distracted by some other movie or something and, and couldn't finish it. But I, I plan to someday write my comic book series. We'll see. I think that would be awesome. Yeah, I'd like to do it. Yeah, it would be perfect. And what you read a lot of comics. Right? I read tons of comics. I, I read a comic book, you know, a couple comic books every day. I read everything. I read alternative comics, mainstream comics, the sort of in-between stuff that you know, predominates, you know, is, is the most popular today. But, uh, yeah, I love comics. Did you do the soundtrack at all for Super? Because it has a great, the music in it is so good. The, 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 the songs or the score, the score is by Tyler Bates, who's amazing. Like he really, you know, Super's a very tonally strange movie because there is a lot of humor and yet it's also very, very dark and there's emotional parts to it. And Tyler Bates, who did the score for, for my movies for Dawn of the Dead and, uh, Slither, but it also did the scores for you know Watchmen and a bunch of other great movies. Three Hundred, his score is amazing in that movie, um, and he kind of brings it all together tonally. And I I love working with Tyler. He's my favorite film partner of anybody. Um, and then the songs themselves, we worked really hard to get. Uh, we because we only had a, a few thousand dollars to get songs in the movie, and so I personally like wrote artists on MySpace and asked them for their songs. A lot of the movie I wrote around super song, uh, certain songs, so I I couldn't get them out of my head. There's a song at the beginning called uh, "Calling All Destroyers" by a band called Czar. I wrote the like opening animated sequence to that, you know, years ago. Um, there's a cheap trick in the song in the movie. Uh, and where 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 uh, Rain Wilson and Liv Tyler's characters a flashback where they fall in love and have sex and I really wanted that song so I wrote Cheap Trick myself and Liv Tyler actually took a DVD copy of that scene of her having sex <laughs> backstage to um, to sh her her parent her dad Steven Tyler with Aerosmith was doing a show with Cheap Trick, so she actually brought them the DVD, and then they agreed to give us a song for nothing, and they battled with their record company to, to give it to us for nothing. So there were a lot of really cool musicians. I have a lot of Swedish music in the movie. A guy named Money Brother who gave us three songs. He's a big star in Sweden, and he's one of my favorite musicians. And uh, it's, re it's really, I love the score. It's and the soundtrack. So wait, Liv Tyler had to show Cheap Trick a DVD of herself well, she didn't have to do it. She elected to do it herself. Okay, you know? okay. In fact, she was showing anybody that wanted to watch it. No, no. She, uh, <laughs> she uh, yeah, yeah, no. Liv, uh, yeah, she really wanted the song. You know, she saw the scene with the song, you know, in it. And she fell in love with it. And she was getting all teary-eyed. And she's like, we got to get that song. We got to get that song. So we went to Comic-Con. And she's like, we're like in front of 6,000 people. And she's like, 
please, Cheap Trick, give us your song. And it made all the news outlets the next day. And then she, you know, brought it to show them. So, you know, and it's been one of the great things. I mean, these guys have all been Rain, Liv, Ellen, Kevin, all of them, uh, Nathan Fillion, who's in the movie. They've all really put a lot of work into helping promote this movie. And um, it's been a blessing to have them not only as actors, but the fact that they're willing to put themselves out for the film after it's finished. And we've all gone to Toronto and South by Southwest and L.A. and and doing all these different things. So it's been a a real... They've been a great group of people to work with. And tell me about this video game that you've made or are in the process of making. Oh, uh, I I worked with a a partner on a video game that comes out. I I don't know when it comes out. It's going to be announced like in the summer or something. I don't know. Yeah, I can't talk about it, but it's, I did a video game. It's like an Xbox video game. You can't talk. You can't talk about what what it's about or any no details. Um, I can't. Is it but bloody? It's, is it's it? bloody. Yeah. Okay. It is bloody. Yeah. All right. That that's all. <laughs> that's all you care I, about. That's all You're I really sick, wanted Winnie. to know. I know. Um, well, we can open this up to the audience for some questions. If you guys want to know anything, we do have the microphone. So just raise your hand, and we'll come on by. See one all the way on the end over here. Hi there. Um, you've mentioned a couple times like uh, about Batman and, and uh, The Watchmen. When you're making a movie like this, how much of other superhero movies or, or sort of other alternative superhero movies plays into your head, or does it not at all? Um, I, I think that when I first wrote the script, I was v- much more influenced by comic book superheroes. Um, the, for instance, The Watchmen was a big influence on me, but of course this was, you know, when I wrote the script, it was, you know, seven years or whatever before... Uh, that movie came out. Um, but yeah, I was very influenced by that. Just the whole alternative take on superheroes. That, uh, Kurt Busiek's uh, um, Astro City was a, a big influence. Just different ways of looking at the superhero from different angles. And then this was just kind of like the cedar, seedy underbelly of the superhero and sort of the superhero as, you know, you know. in some ways, you know, though, you know, the movie isn't, is really about a guy named Frank who has a, a, a spiritual awakening that he's supposed to go save his wife and beat people up to do that. And the costume is almost like gravy. So in a lot of ways, I think about it mostly as being about this guy named Frank and the fact that he's wearing a costume is secondary. And I think that's one of the things that I was, I was doing when I wrote it. Your next question is in the middle. In the Was this fourth row? Fourth row. Hello. Hi. Um, you said you had like 45 camera sets, like a day um, actors really need time to get into their character how did you keep them like motivated between so many different setups to well, keep them in their character and emotional I, I think first of all that took a great deal of balance you know like there's a scene at the beginning of the movie with Rain Wilson which is a very long monologue where he's just praying to God um, asking for his wife back and I knew that we needed to take more time for that scene because it was an acting scene and I needed to give Rain the space so when I schedule a movie I, I do a lot of the scheduling very closely with the assistant director so that I know you know when we can move faster on scenes that are you know you know, goofier and funnier, and then really take the time for the deeper stuff. Um, and, you know, at first, like the first day of shooting, Liv Tyler was totally freaked out because she had never moved so fast. She's done all these huge, you know, she, she hadn't done a movie for two years, um, and she chose to come in and do this film, and then suddenly we're shooting so fast. Um, and it wasn't until, like, she got used to that pace that she started to like it. And I think in some ways the actors did like it, 
they didn't get any breaks. But like we tried to create on on set what we called a culture of speed, which is that we didn't want that fast pace to hurt the movie. We actually wanted it to inform the movie itself and become a part of the energy that we were putting on screen. And so like for Ellen, I think it I think it really helped her performance because she's just so up all the time. I think it was a little bit, you know, and same thing with, with Kevin's character. With Rain and Liv, their characters are softer, so it took a little bit of, of working to really make it so that the performance is shown. And, and that was important to me, you know, that the, the performances were good. If the performances weren't good, the, the movie wasn't going to work. Oh, we got one right here in the middle. So uh, we're used to seeing, you know, Rain Wilson as Dwight on The Office. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious, like, how did you uh, direct him to get him to cry? Because it was a scene in the trailer where she was crying. Mm-hmm. How did that happen? I just, you know, I kept telling him how bad his performance was and how he was going to make an asshole of himself in front of millions of people and everybody's going to hate him. And then he just, no. Uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't, like, it wasn't really up to me to make Rain cry. Rain knew what the scene was. And, um, and he brought that out himself. Rain is a very accomplished actor. He's done a lot of theater. He's done a lot of things besides Dwight Schrute. I hang out with Rain in, in real life. And I cannot tell you the amount of people that come up to him. I was just talking to this about Dan from, with Dan from IFC before we came here today. But, like, you know, you hang out with Ellen Page and people come up and, like, Ellen, 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 Ellen. You hang out with Rain and everybody's like, Dwight, hey, Dwight, Dwight over here. It's, it's obnoxious. Um, but he can do a lot of things besides that. And I knew he had it in him to do that. Um, but, uh, yeah, but again, it was just really a matter of creating a space for him on set to do what he had to do. And, you, you know, you talked earlier about him being gung-ho. The thing that Rain really loved was killing all those people and sort of being an action movie Charles Bronson star uh, during a section of the movie because that is something that he never thought he would ever have the opportunity to do. And by the end of the movie, you know, he's, he's, he's a cold-blooded killer, so it's, it's fun. We have another question in the middle. You said that you wrote this in 2002. So what actually made you motivated to actually to get on and actually film it? Um, a, a couple of... Th- Number one, we, I had financing for this movie two other times. Um, the first time was in 2004, and Chuck Roven uh, and Alex Gartner were producing. Chuck Roven d- did you know, Batman Begins and Dark Knight. Uh, and I just really honestly, I couldn't, to, to be completely honest, there was only one actor who I thought I really wanted at the time, and that was John C. Riley. And John C. Riley at the time wasn't considered a big enough star to do the movie. Um, not that he ever said yes or even read the script. They wouldn't even allow me to send it to him. So there were other actors who wanted to play the, play the role. Um, who the company that was financing for a much bigger budget, that was an $8 million budget at the time, were willing to put in the movie. But I just I couldn't see eye to eye with them on who the character was, and I couldn't see them in the role. I needed somebody who was you know could handle the comedic part of it, who could handle the dramatic part of it, who was a big enough goof that you can imagine him getting picked on by his fellow shorter to cook at the diner, and who was physically powerful enough to imagine him kicking ass during parts of the movie. And I just couldn't find that that person at the time. So um, in addition to that, I wrote a script for a movie called Slither, which I went out with on a Thursday night. I was going to sell that script so that I could be afford to do a lower-budget movie like Super. And I was offered to direct that movie the next morning. 
um, it just got instantly bought. And so I, it was a bird in the hand situation. And then again, a couple of years later, I had a deal to make this movie as like a, a web movie with Sony Pictures. And that, the deal, frankly, the deal was, was crappy for me. Um, and I just couldn't live with myself making the deal. So I didn't do it. Uh, and, and I kept setting it aside. I, a lot of my team, um, who I love dearly, but a lot of my team in terms of, you know, my representatives didn't really want me to make this movie because it is so messed up. And, um, and so that influenced me. And I really was resigned to not making the film when Jenna sort of, you know, got me and Rain together to, to make it. And then I, I found my inspiration again. And honestly, I felt called to make the movie. In the same way Frank is called in the movie to put on a costume and go, you know, save his wife, I felt called to make this film. And I just, I kept trying to set it aside because it didn't seem like a wise business decision for me. And I kept coming back to it. We have time for two more questions. And we have one all the way in the back over here. Um, You said that you wrote the film and you filmed it. But what did you enjoy doing more, writing it or actually making it? Um, well, making it, 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 I'll give you a, a, a short story. When I uh, had a friend who was dancing in Cirque du Soleil, uh, Mystere, in um, Las Vegas. And I went to visit her and see her show a couple of years ago. And uh, one of her, her boyfriend at the time was a gymnast in the show who was uh, doing the trapeze. He was a trapeze artist. And we went out to eat after the show. And I was like so amazed by this guy. I, I was like, wow, that's incredible. It's so beautiful what you're doing up there. I love watching it. You know, that must feel so amazing when you do that. What do you feel when you're up there? And he said, I feel nothing but stark raving terror the whole time. I, I hate every minute of it. I'm just afraid of falling. That's all it is. All I am is afraid of falling. And I was amazed that like this beautiful thing could come out of such a terrible feeling. And I, I, I never really got that until I was making Super. Um, because I was truly, the whole time we were shooting, I, I had every shot in my head memorized. And it was just a matter of trying to get what was in my head onto film. And so making it was very fulfilling, making this movie. But making it was not fun in any way, shape, or form. It was just harrowing. And um, I, I loved getting to know the people in the movie. And writing it was fun. So um, I find directing more fulfilling than writing. But writing is more fun to me than directing. If that makes any sense. Okay, and our final question is going to be here in the second row. Pardon me. Oh, no worries. Here we are. Hey, James. Hi. Uh, I was wondering, um, can you talk about uh, the technical stuff, maybe, like the, uh, maybe the size of the crew, and was it digital, and the editing process? We, we shot on the red, on the red one, um, which, was, uh, uh, which worked for us, but it was very difficult, because the red's actually a pretty heavy camera. Our cinematographer is a guy by the name of Steve Gaynor. Um, who shot a movie called Bully, which I saw quite a few years ago, a Larry Clark film. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's what I want Super to look like. And I remember also telling that to the original people that were making the movie, and they are like, what? You want it to look like wh- what? I'm like, yeah, it looks ugly. <laughs> um, and not that it's, you know, Steve, Steve Gaynor is an extremely talented guy, and he worked harder than anybody else on this movie. Uh, so we shot on the Red. Red, has, Red 1 has a lot of problems, and it's a heavy camera, so it was difficult. And... Um, uh, the size of our crew was small, but not as small as, uh, you know, I mean, it was, uh, 
It was it was a real crew, but it was a very low budget independent movie film crew. Um, we got very lucky because we shot in Shreveport, Louisiana, in uh, December and in January of uh, two thousand eight. Was, was I don't even know two thousand nine, two thousand ten, and um, because we shot in this sort of off time, we took a break during the Christmas holidays. We got like the A list crew from Louisiana because they weren't working on other projects. Nobody else was filming at that time, so I was very lucky. I had like an amazing gaffer and a, best gaffer I've ever worked with. Uh, and uh, best, you know, amazing grip, um, and, and that made the movie a, a lot easier. Was working with guys that were fast and and into it, you know. Frankly, and and Steve Gaynor is a great leader in terms of that sort of stuff. Like he's the he's amazing. To answer your question, the the editing the editing process. Our editor is a great editor by the name of Kara Silverman, and um, she worked with my friend Ken Quapis on some movies and. Uh, Really, hiring an editor is the hardest thing because you don't, you know, you don't know what an editor brings to a movie when you see it. You don't know how much of it's an, you know, the director, how much of it's the editor. It's really hard. Um, and uh, Ken really just loved Kara, and she was one of the two smartest editors I talked to in terms of who really understood the movie and the weird tone we were going for. And so I hired her because of that, and she was great. Kara's great at finding like these little moments, these little acting moments that you might miss, and they're, they're throughout the movie, and that's completely Kara finding these things that I didn't even see necessarily while we were shooting, and it brings a lot to the movie, the, the subtleties. Well, James, thank you so much thank for being you. here. It was a pleasure. And everybody go see Super on April 1st when it opens. And Thank you, guys. Yeah. Thank you.